Welcome to the Camera Shake Podcast, episode 42. And today we have something really special. If you cast your mind back, and as for all of you who have been listening to um, all of our episodes, of course, but if you cast your mind back a couple of episodes, we had none other than Ivan Weiss on the show and we challenged him to a selfie shootout. So today, in today's episode, we're going to have a look at all the results. And we're going to be talking to Ivan Again, of course, he's our special guest for the second time. The first guest, by the way, Ivan, who's appeared on the show twice. Well, hey. Oh, I'm going for the hat trick now. I'm going for the <laughs> hat trick. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool. So just to kind of put that into context. So uh, when you were on the show, Ivan, um, we sort of casually mentioned that we should really do a little challenge. And, and we decided to do a selfie challenge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now here in the UK, because we're all in lockdown, I mean, self-portraits are all I can shoot. So um, it was a, it was a good little um, stimulus to to get the camera out, get the lights out, and and do something creative rather than sitting around, uh, you know, worrying about stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a good idea. Glad we yeah. did. And of course, little did we know at the time uh, that that this lockdown would be as you know, drastic as it has turned out to be, because we're literally back in like full lockdown at the moment. So, you know, even even going out, uh, you know, for extensive walks or something isn't really happening at the moment. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, you can only shoot your pet so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even have any. I've got a fox that lives in the garden, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wildlife photographer is going to be the next challenge. <laughs> I'm always wary saying the word um, shoot when it relates to photographing animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, it's a, it's a, a photographer's audience here, so I think yeah, everyone very takes true. it the way it's, it's intended. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So um, we created a selfie image each, and we're going to talk about those uh, in a second. But uh, but before we get into that, how was how, how have the last few weeks been for you, Ivan? Um, I mean, in terms of in terms of uh, work and the industry, I think you know everything is still very much on hold. All the conversations that I'm having with people here, are just about people, you know, being hopeful that soon we'll be able to get back to work um, and finding things to do in the meantime. Um, one, one thing that's that's uh, a recurring theme is just that idea of while we're not working for money, we're, we're working to create value. And I think this podcast and, and particularly um, the, the selfie challenge is, is part of that, you know, we're, we're still creating things. It's, it's what we do. Um, and hopefully that will stand us in good stead for when we come out of lockdown and we can start getting back to, to proper work again. Yeah, it's one of these things. I think for for any creative person, it's just you know, it's the the sort of need to make things, <laughs> you know, that urge to make things. Um, it's it's really difficult when you're kind of locked up at home, you know, and you can't do the things that you would normally do. It's really important to find other outlets. Yeah, and um, you know, we've we've spoken about this before, uh, where in the first lockdown in the UK, and they can be uh, set up like a Zoom group. Uh, or yeah, like a, a weekly Zoom call, you know, like a group for people to come together and we could discuss little creative ideas, you know, uh, that we could do around the house or that people could do in the garden or just, you know. And of course, back then in the summer, it was all good because you go out, you could hang out in the garden, you could shoot like, I don't know, flowers and whatever it was. Uh, but this time it feels harsher. It kind of feels, you know, it's winter and it's dark and it's, you you really, you kind of, you're literally locked in the, in the house. And yeah. 
That's it. I mean, going out for a walk in the summer is nice. When you go out for a walk in the winter, it's just because you want to get to the pub to sit down and have (laughs) some food in the warm at the end of the walk. And you can't do that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not quite the same, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think really as, as artists, we are actually quite fortunate because we recognize that we have the need to create things. I, you know, I don't think that's particular to artists. I think that's just a human instinct. Mm. The difference is that we know it and we do something about it. So I think a lot of people who don't normally do anything that they consider to be a creative activity or hobby, because of the way life is different during lockdown, they're feeling the same frustrations, but they perhaps don't know what to do about it because normally their creativity would be used in you know problem solving during their their everyday life and there's you know there are fewer things going on in general so so that uh, that itch isn't being scratched for everyone so I, yeah. I think we'll probably see a lot of people taking up new hobbies uh we'll, quite possibly yeah. right now there are some people listening to the podcast who are new to photography so um it's Absolutely. a good thing Absolutely, and this is uh, this is really this is another reason why I I really love this episode so much because of course we're going to be talking about our efforts, um, and uh, we, you know we're going to get some feedback um, on on our photographs, but we're also going to be talking about how how we made those photographs and and the thinking um, and some of the technical aspects that went into making those. Um, and I'm just going to say this uh, right at the beginning here. Uh, this is sort of like a, a like an episode that's kind of split in two because we we've got the if you're listening to the audio version right now, um, we're going to be talking about the images and how we made them, um, but the YouTube version of this episode is going to have some uh, behind the scenes um, editing videos uh, that will be part of that episode. Now that's very difficult to kind of convey in audio only, but if you're interested to see how Ivan, Nick, and myself actually edited our photos, then I highly recommend uh, for you to head over to YouTube um, on youtube.com forward slash camera shake um, and uh, check out uh, this episode, episode 42, and you'll be able to uh, to not only see our beautiful faces, but you'll also be able to to watch us actually edit our shots. So if that's something you're into, I highly recommend you, you check out um, the YouTube version of this. But without further ado, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about our photographs. So, so Ivan, um, when we first came up with the idea of doing a selfie challenge, what what went through your mind there? Um, well, I mean, to, to be honest, the first thing that I was thinking was because it's camera shake podcast. I had in mind an idea of trying to shoot something that incorporated the idea of camera shake, um, and as as is my normal sort of creative process i just do a lot of kind of unstructured thinking and just let the idea kind of roll around in my mind for a few days um and then i realized that i would need some way to shake the camera because if it's a self-portrait it's a bit difficult to do so i started thinking you know is there some way i could like sit it on top of the washing machine or (laughs) something of that nature um but yeah, it, that that turned out to be a non-starter when I when I started getting more into the into the technicals. Um, so yeah, when when I sort of turned away from that idea, um, I just thought, well, actually, let me just shoot something that's you know in the style of what I would normally shoot for uh, a client, uh, mm. but with myself as the subject. Um, so I went from there and having all the time in the world and not 
needing to worry about uh, keeping my subject from getting bored or having to engage the subject, um, I ended up just getting all of my lights out and setting up a, <laughs> a ridiculously complicated light setup. And, and I had a, a great deal of fun playing with uh, adjusting each of the the lights to to get uh, you know very specific with which bits of the image are lit and how they're lit and from what direction and hard light and soft light and all of that stuff um so yeah it was it was it was great in the end it, i think like i said on the first podcast uh, sitting there thinking about it it felt like oh this is a big thing but once i got going Oh yeah, it was fun. Uh, I spent several hours, um, and uh, it was it was satisfying to 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 create something. Hmm. Nick, how about you? How what went through your mind when you, when we first uh, sort of came up with this challenge? Um, fear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I thought well, you know, going. I you know, obviously I know Ivan's work and um, uh, the type of portraits and uh, that he does, and they're just. If you haven't seen his work before, just just go and pause this. Go look now, and it's just awesome. I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to produce something um, anywhere close to what what Ivan does. Um, but for topic, I, you know, like Ivan, a couple of things went through 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 my head. I thought, you know, do I perhaps try and go for something um, similar to what what I suspect Ivan might produce, so that we're kind of on the same same wavelength. Mm -hmm. I thought. No, that's silly. Do what I do and do it as well as I, I can, you know? And it's so that's why I, I settled on. Um, you know, I I had a theme in my head of um I and for the life annoyingly I can't remember what it was I was watching. Um, but I was watching some TV drama and I thought, hmm, that could be interesting. And how about I come up with something that's a little bit like a um, what might be a TV advert of a really moody character. And I thought, yeah, that kind of sits quite well with my personality. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's the uh, the route that I went. Um, I kept things simple um, quite deliberately because um, space was a bit of an issue too. Mm. Um, yeah, there we go. That's, uh, that was my general thought process to begin with without going into great details about the setup yet anyway. Mm. How about you, Kay? Um, I mean, I think I had similar thoughts. Uh, you know, at first I thought like, ooh, uh, okay, you know, a photo challenge with Ivan in the game, that's hard. Um, and then of course the, the, the next thing, the next thing you think like, okay, I've got to produce something that's sort of in Ivan's style. Um, and so I had some ideas of like, you know, recreate, totally recreating one of, one of his, uh, sort of self portraits that he's got on his website and just putting my face in it. <laughs> so, you know, um, but then I sort of thought, no, that's, you know, uh, it's just like you, Nick. I kind of thought, well, actually, you know, um, I've just got to, I've just got to do what I do, and uh, you know, and so it sort of means that you end up playing to your strengths, of course, you know. Mm. Um, what was what was different this time was that I sort of I thought I, I had an idea, well, probably about a year ago or something, um, when I, well, I started a, a photo series called Three Heads in a Row which is really shot in the style of, of what I produced for this challenge. Um, and so the idea was there to um, to sit across the table from another person, you know, and have a chat for a couple of hours and just shoot um, and then create a, literally a triptych of portraits um, that, that go on, on Instagram because you've got 
three images per row. That's why it's called three heads in a row. Um, and, uh, and and to really kind of bring out sort of almost like a comedic side to it. Um, and and I started that in, in 20, where are we now? In 2019. Um, and then of course, COVID totally disrupted that that endeavor. And, and I realized uh, a little while ago that I hadn't shot, like the last person I shot for this particular uh, photo project was my mom. And that was Christmas, 2019. And so I realized that I hadn't shot anything for this in a whole year. And I kind of thought, you know what, this is, uh, this is actually just an opportunity to, to really kind of get back into things. And at the same time, I bought some new uh, modifiers and stuff. And I kind of thought, you know what, if I can use this as a challenge to sort of to, to simplify the process for myself at the same time, but produce sort of the same result, then I'm kind of killing two birds with one, with one stone mm -hmm. as it were. Um, so that was the thing. And it, you know, uh, the idea of, uh, of, have, of doing sort of an action shot, that was, this, that was the next part of the concept, but, uh, but it was super fun. I, I got my, I got my, almost my whole family involved in the actual shoot. So it was a bit of a, yeah, it was a fun, fun little exercise. So I actually had a lot of fun doing it in the end. Yeah, Good stuff. So, excellent. All right. So at this point, um, I think we're going to dive right into it. So what we'll do is we'll throw up. Let's start with, uh, with Ivan's shot. Is that cool with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. And then uh, what we'll do is we'll just, we'll just throw the shot up on the screen right now. Um, and we'll just let you talk about your, your photograph. So shooting a self-portrait, one of the things that's often a challenge, um, well, th there are a number of technical challenges. One, obviously, is how do you, how do you get focus? Um, and that, luckily, that challenge is answered for us nowadays by cameras that can detect the eye and automatically focus on it. So um, I shot this at f1.2 because uh, I didn't have to worry about missing focus. The camera did all that, that hard work for me. Um, I knew I'd be wearing a hat because I haven't had a haircut for like two months. Um, <laughs> and it just simplifies things in a lot of ways. Um, and I've just got this one hat that I kind of like. So that set the... It happens to match the colors that I generally like to work with anyway, sort of deep greens and sort of, uh, you know thick heavy textures uh, a woolly hat um so i pulled on a coat that sort of matches um or, or doesn't match exactly but it kind of goes with it um and then i put the camera up and, uh, and a bunch of lights and used a wired remote and i just sort of sat there tapping away or stood there rather tapping away with my thumb on the uh shutter release and just kind of let my mind wander and not worry about the camera being there so that I can't remember exactly what I was thinking about in this particular shot, but I was allowing it to be uh, a genuine expression. Um, I got some with a, a lighter expression as well, of course, um, but I felt this was more appropriate for the times um and i guess more more in keeping with the the work that i i generally do um so the the lighting on this was i guess you could say very technical um but on the other hand really quite simple in terms of um how it's all managed uh i often say to to people as well you know if you if you can work out how to use a second light then you can work out how to use a third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth whatever because it's the the principle is the same once you're 
using more than one light source. So um, the number of lights that you use, I don't think it makes it any more difficult. Um, the challenge, of course, is that being the subject as well as the photographer, it's difficult to see the results. So there's a bit more trial and error um, in terms of getting the placement of the lights uh, just where you want them. Um, but this is essentially a, a development of a lighting setup that I use fairly often with clients. So the the basics are very familiar to me and I, I was able to get the, the basics set up straight away. And then using other lights, I just enhanced and fine-tuned things to, to where I wanted them. Um, and then I went through a fairly standard for me um, post-production workflow. Uh, so I did a bit of skin retouching. It was a challenge there to really, you know, not let vanity get in the way and not overdo it on the retouch of my own face. Um, but at the same time to create something that still looked, you know, visually appealing. Um, and then color grading very much in keeping with the the color palette that I I like to use for a lot of my work, um, which is quite appropriate for the wardrobe that I've got and just the, the overall mood of the picture, I suppose. Mm. Did you have some immediate feedback? Like, did you shoot tethered so you could see the shots as they, as they pop up? Yeah. So, I mean, I always shoot tethered um, be because I like to have that immediate feedback. The difficulty when you are the subject and you're using constant light is that you turn around and look at the computer screen and you can't see anything for a few minutes because the, <laughs> the, the the lights that I'm shooting with are, are, are so bright that you know you're you're unable to um, adjust to the contrast particularly quickly. So it was much more like shoot twenty or thirty frames and then go over and mm. you know have a little rest of the eyes and then review and then step back in. And of course that presents the challenge of how do you make sure you get back to exactly the same spot? Um, so I was using the, the seeing the, the tethered shots come up on the monitor, mostly just to work out if I was in the middle of the frame, because right. that was, I could make that out. I could work out if I was, if the blob in the middle was in the right place um, and then looking for detail later on um I, I think i shot 200 frames in total um i tried a you know a couple of different uh sort of variations on the pose i tried a few without the coat um some looking to camera some looking away mm -hmm. all of those kind of variations um and this was the one that stood out for me it is one of the best portraits i've seen for for a while it is superb ivan it is absolutely superb. And, you know, there's something about your style that, and yeah, I appreciate it was shot at 1.2 as well. And that obviously has a big, big part to play, but your portraits pop in a way that not very few do. And it's very difficult to describe what I mean by that. And it's not like they're, because they're all... They're also subtle all at the same time as well. I don't know how you achieve that. It's <laughs> incredible. You just have this way of style of um, photo and then with the editing on top, that's just, it makes you, I haven't stopped looking at it since we've been talking about it. Are you going to stalk me now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm outside your door at the minute. Did you not? Oh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, so this, this is a, one of the traps that photographers fall into a lot. Um, uh, you know, myself included, it's very easy when we talk amongst ourselves, we always talk about the technical because mm. that's the stuff that, that only we understand, you know, that's the stuff where our friends who are not photographers yawn and roll their eyeballs. If we start talking about technical, so amongst ourselves, we can indulge that. Um, but we forget very often to step back and experience the picture as a, a non-photographer, as a regular human being. Um, the fact of the matter is we do experience things as regular human beings because you cannot get rid of the fact that you are a human first and foremost and a photographer second. Um, it's just that we never talk about the human experience of it because, I don't know, we don't. Um, I think possibly one of the secrets if you want to call it that is making sure that that emotional response to the picture is the the fundamental thing that mm -hmm. decides whether a picture is going to be successful or not and then everything else all of the technicals have to complement or at the very least not detract from that um so you know if you've got a, a perfectly technically executed shot and the sort of shot that everybody could see is technically difficult. Yeah, people will say, oh, wow, that was difficult, but they're not going to keep looking at it because they don't have the emotional response. So I, I think that's um, possibly where where the, the, the secret is. That I, I do like to prioritize the, the emotional first and foremost. Absolutely. And if as long as that's there, if the technique isn't quite there or the shot wasn't quite nailed, well, whatever, whatever, because yeah. the most important aspect is there and it still makes it a great shot. But all that being said, you, you nailed both. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like to get the technicals right as well so that I can talk to photographers about it without getting ripped to shreds. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, tell you, I tell you what's really, what's really interesting, you know, what really struck me about, about your, uh, your self-portrait is the fact that really everything in it ties in. It, it yeah. all ties together. You know, everything from um, the wardrobe, the color palette, the background, um, the way the background is lit and the way that everything focuses on the brightest spot in the image, which is which is your face, and then that's where the emotion sits. Mm -hmm. It's just in your expression. So you've got everything from, you know, from the colors, um, the exposure, uh, down to the expression. It just all ties in. You know, it, it's one of these, it's one of these things where, you know, people very often, or photographers very often say like, oh, you get to look at a lens, you get to look at a lens, eyes have to be on the lens, you know, blah blah. Um, and that's true so often, but this is a really good example for, you know, a portrait where if you if you if your gaze wasn't out of the photo or out of the frame, it really wouldn't work in the same way that it does. Mm -hmm. And this is really just uh, you know, it's another thing that really uh, strikes me in this is it's not, you know, it really it it has that emotional uh, kind of you know value to it. If you know what I mean, sure. um, and it just really all like it all just filters down to to your face, and it's everything that uh, everything plays a role in it. Like I said, you know the exposure, the way the lighting um, is set, um, and and the colors as well. I mean, the colors are just mm. you know absolutely gorgeous. It's just that you know uh, it really conjures up a lot of things as well. I think when you see these colors, like for me, um, I grew up in a family um, like my you know my granddad was a forest ranger. 
like I, w- I grew up around these colors, uh-huh. you know, like, uh, I remember like my, my, my granddad, sorry, my granddad was a forest ranger. So my granddad, you're going out, um, in the forest, like on hunts or whatever else, you know, um, and, uh, you know, wearing, wearing those kind of colors. So this all just really takes me back. So all of that, looking at that picture, all of that comes back. It all just gets, it gets wrapped into the whole thing. It's just all of these memories and everything else. And that's, I think that's a, that's a really important thing. Very often when you look at a photograph, it's not just what you see. It's also what that, what, what you see actually brings up inside of you. You know, it's, for, for sure. So, I mean, uh, in in color theory, you know, I, I know lots of there are lots of resources available for photographers in particular for um, people that are creating, uh, you know, video movies, etc. On color theory, and one of the bases of of that is um, what colors signify to us, um, and and they're fairly universal things across cultures. Um, mm-hmm. You know, g- green has certain connotations uh, across most cultures for some people it's really important to approach it from that point of view i i don't really like to to go into it that way it's more just i like i like this color and then i'll try and work out why rather than i want this effect so i'm going to choose this color Hmm. um so it's it's maybe a slightly backward process for me but i think you know because i'm not uh i'm not shooting to a brief for a creative director i'm i'm just satisfying my own taste so so that's that's the way it comes out but um yeah i I like that juxtaposition often of um colors that are sort of warm and comforting but an expression that is a little bit the opposite Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit disquieting a little bit um you know inviting some more thought before you uh before you respond Mm. yeah you know, the, the the one thing that really sums this up for me is I'm I'm dying to know what you're thinking about when I look at this photo. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And that that for me says, and I'm still wondering now. <laughs> <laughs> that that says a lot to me that I really want to know what's going on in that picture. That that you know. I tell you, the other thing that's that's really uh, that really fascinates me about this uh, about this picture is texture. You know, there's like there's so many things to look at in this like it's your beard of course on one hand but it's also like the texture of the coat for example yep. or the cap um mm-hmm. and then and then the juxtaposition there is with that super smooth um shallow depth of field background you know so you've got that super smoothness there um and then you've got all that that really like rich texture of the coat you know and then of course the the texture of the beard it's just it really it like it really sits really well on top of each other and it's just you know again it just draws you into the picture it makes it look really lifelike uh-huh yeah in in a weird way you know (laughs) i mean when when i set up for for the shot in the first place um i i intended to shoot um f8 Mm -hmm. to to hold focus through not fully through the whole frame but uh certainly to to have less um of the the fall off of, of focus that we've got here but it, it didn't work as well because it, it was just too busy mm. um and you know i mean it's not exactly simple in terms of all of the lines and the textures that are going on but using the the shallow depth of field just allows all of those things to kind of meld into each other, but mm-hmm. just appear enough that they're interesting as well. I think. I mean, that that's my interpretation of it. Again, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that really um, that, that make this this portrait really quite special. The other thing 
that I noticed when I looked at this also is this of headroom that you leave over the head because you're placing you're placing your eyeline relatively low in the frame mm-hmm. and so you're probably you know you're leaving um more headroom above the above the top of the head than you would ordinarily see in a portrait and that's I think that's a really that's a really interesting kind of aspect of it it almost gives it almost like a, a classic feel it's mm-hmm. you know it has this uh and it's I've always I always find that because this is it's always a thought that's in the back of my mind. It's like, okay, where are my eyes? You know, where's my eyeline? Like where, you know, um, and I always have to force myself to do things differently from the norm. <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. for some reason my eye my eyes always drawn to like this sort of uh, kind of almost like the standard way of of composing things. And then I always, you know, I always look at it and I always you know start thinking, okay, how can I how can I make this how can I make this stand out by just changing the norm a little bit? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So, you know, when when I look at uh, a lot of your imagery um, on your website, I notice that it's like, okay, you know, here we've got a lot more headroom, and it just it just um, it just adds to the overall expression um, of the photograph. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know there there are, there are sort of standard rules, if you like, or, or your pieces of advice. Um, for framing in photography that mm. that makes sense in certain contexts and not in others so um, you know fill the frame right we, we've all been told if you've had any sort of photography coaching at any point fill the frame because you want to not waste your resolution by cropping in later to to get the the thing that you want um to the you know the aspect ratio and, and the size that you want but that sort of implies that you have to fill the frame with the face. And in this shot, for example, it's not uncommon, um, it's not unusual for, for my work. There's a, a natural vignette in the background. And to me, that is part of the shot because that uh, gradient from the top down towards the middle is part of what's directing your eye into the face. Um, the bottom half of the frame has got all of this, uh, these textures and the lines of the coat and the shadows from the collar and all of that stuff going on. And then the beard makes a natural sort of separation between those things. If I didn't have that room at the top, um, I would feel that the shot was imbalanced. So the, the, the background is, is part of the subject. Uh, in that sense for me, which then kind of dictates that the eyes are going to be somewhere near the the actual um, the, the middle, really, the, the center point of the, of the frame. I think the other thing that struck me, actually, just because I've seen this straight out of camera um, shot um, and then, you know, compared it to the final, the final edit. And I have to say, I was really struck by how close the straight out of camera um, version was to the edit. In the end, I mean, that was like, you know, because because it really, you know, it, it's 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 not a heavy edit on this. This is like this is pretty close to mm-hmm. to what it actually looked like coming straight out of camera. That, that was a that shot out of camera could have been published as it was. It's that good, you know. Yeah. And you what you've obviously done is then put your your taste on top of that and to make it look how you actually want this shot to look but if anybody else had taken that shot they could easily have published it and gone wow yeah so i i think that that's um because i'm a studio photographer i i have the mostly i have the luxury of being able to get 
I don't want to use the word perfection, but you know what I mean, like get it right in camera. Um, so then for me, the post-production is about enhancing what's what's been captured. Mm. Um, I won't say there's never been times where I've had to rely on post-production to correct something I got wrong, um, but I don't enjoy that kind of post-production. That's like... Oh crap! I mean, I, I, a couple of years ago, I did a did a, a shoot for a um, a magazine cover, and uh, I, I just hadn't left enough width in the frame, um, and so I ended up having to recreate the background by hand mm. in Affinity Photo, and it was shot inside a room with a mantelpiece and bookshelves and things, and I actually had to like Oof. draw in and make them look realistic cloning across and all the rest of it and i just thought yeah i'm not doing that again um so uh you know that sort of work in post-production is not the stuff that that um interests me um i much prefer to use post-production as a means to enhance and uh amplify Mm -hmm. the the image but it has to be for my for my workflow it has to be usable straight out of camera in the first place i don't want to be going in and having to correct stuff yeah well that's that's very that's pretty much sort of the the opposite end of um of what i shoot very often is where i, where I shoot with intent because i know because I, I tend to make composites or I, I shoot a lot of composites and so you shoot with intent and you know that you know you won't have to worry about this, this, the I don't know the light stand in the background or this and that the other because you're never going to use that part of the image anyway. So it's like you know you're focusing. Or I always focus on the on the on the actual subject that I'm shooting because I know I can frame things. Di- or, you know, in, in post, yeah. it's just going to end up looking very different from from what you'll see in the in the camera. Sure. Yeah, I mean that that approach. Obviously, it, it, that's a that's another approach to creativity that gives you a, a whole load more flexibility. Um, I don't really like doing the composite thing because I always find: am I trying to make this look realistic, or am I trying to make it look good? And if I'm starting from the point of I know it's not realistic, mm. I can never see it as being real because mm, sure. I know I know that it's a composite. Um, I just don't have that that skill of of um being able to do that so i've i've always kind of avoided i mean taking a light stand out of the of the frame that that kind of thing i will do obviously but shooting with the intention of getting two or three frames and and bringing them together is um that's a a level of technical creativity that i uh i don't have (laughs) i always think like oh wouldn't it be cool if and then you know that that's a rabbit hole you can yeah, yeah to get out of. of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. all of a sudden your self-portrait in lockdown is shot on a tropical island somewhere you've got yeah. palm trees in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly were, were you responsible for all those bernie sanders memes that i saw going around <laughs> uh, um i well i was responsible for some that that, that i will admit yeah especially Excellent. especially star wars related ones <laughs> yep good stuff <laughs> right, so Nick, how did your shoot go? Why? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about about your photograph? So, as I was saying, the kind of the idea I ended up settling on was that moody kind of, you know, maybe bad cop kind of TV show sort of advert that you might see, poster that you might see, was kind of the general gist behind my my uh, uh, what I wanted to do, and I wanted to also incorporate. Um, 
kind of um to kind of enhance that a bit more kind of the the gritty look of kind of that background that you're seeing there and and so on mm. versus that cleaner look of of the suit and so you kind of got the uh kind of the, the two ends of the spectrum if you like um then from a from a technical perspective this is actually just a one light setup um uh, off over to my right hand side um obviously and that was just on um as a speed light with a um softbox on uh, it's quite a large one it's about a meter about a meter in diameter that that softbox um and i left it at that and i deliberately left it like that to keep it as dark as possible that backfired slightly in reality um because it was all right it was slightly underexposed when i got went into editing fine no no big deal but i wanted to then enhance um some of the other aspects that were in the shot um so i ended up doing some editing on that with some radial filters and whatnot just to enhance some of some of some of those bits and pieces um then a bit much much like Ivan was describing regarding the headroom, um, this, I had exactly the same thought process. Um, and so I chose a texture which had kind of gradient down, kind of going vertically down into, into the image um, that I laid, laid on top, which kind of um, you know, leads the eye down to, to me where most of that light is on my, on my face. Um, so that was the idea behind having that that kind of headroom, and I thought the texture on the background was actually quite important to sell the idea of it being quite a gritty, um, a, a gritty kind of uh, uh, image. Um, and that was really it from a, a shot perspective, you know. So I, you know, I probably took maybe maybe a hundred frames in the end um, of this. Um, and this was the one I, I kind of settled on. I had lots of different kind of different various ways I sat, much like yourself, Ivan, jacket done up, jacket off, jacket undone, um, sat, diff- sat, sat forward, sat back. Um, and actually, well, actually, there's probably one more thing I should probably say. Actually, this is the second shoot for this. The first one I did, um, I didn't notice at the time because I wasn't wearing my glasses, so the sharpness wasn't quite there. <laughs> I'd actually missed focus a little bit throughout. And so, yeah, this is a real world situation here. Absolutely missed it. And it was afterwards and I just packed some of it down and I was so annoyed with myself that I said, this isn't happening. So I waited a couple of days and I reshot it um, with a slightly different setup. And I think I actually prefer my original shot that I'd, I would have settled on as well. But there you go. You live and learn. Mm. Um, yeah, so... Then, just from an editing uh, editing perspective, I um, nothing really outrageous going on. Um, like I said, some radial filters to en- enhance the um, bits and pieces, usual kind of dodging and burning and so forth. Um, I had to light up my, the left hand side of my face a little bit more. It was just a bit too dark um, for my liking. Um, there's obviously textures, a couple of different textures going on throughout, which I've taken off myself, um, but left everywhere else and reduced it on some of the other items that are there. Um, there is a natural vignette going on with the way I shot it. However, there's also um, uh, sort of gradient filters going on, reducing uh, um, the exposure on all the sides. Um, yeah, there, oh, there was one other interesting thing that ended up happening was that lampshade that you're seeing there 
it well, you know what lampshades can be like. <laughs> They're on the piss every so often, right? They're never quite straight. I had straightened it before shooting. However, as the shoot progressed, it kind of went back to uh, how, how, how it was. So what I've ended up doing is um, I have cho- I chopped that out. Um, I skewed it, straightened it up a little bit more, uh, made it ever so slightly larger too, and then put it back on top. Mm. Um, it was it, it had to be done. It was just annoying me. I've got a, a little bit of a thing for straight lines, and <laughs> it's been <laughs> organised so that uh, yeah, I, ha- I had to take care of that. Uh, yeah, that was uh, there. We go. That's that's the most of it. Um, obviously, you'll see more in the edit of uh, edit video. Good stuff. Cool. Yeah, it does. It does really have that, um, like, uh, TV detective show thumbnail on Netflix type of a look. Yeah, I think <laughs> it could really, yeah, it could really work work well for that. Um, again, I like your expression as well on that. It's um, it's quite moody. Yeah, I'm quite good at moody faces. <laughs> it's, it's all in the eyebrow. Is that that crease yeah. above the camera yeah. right eyebrow? Yeah, that, exactly. That sells it right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, um, yeah, there was a very similar shot where I wasn't doing that, and uh-huh. it just didn't work quite as well. Yeah, I, I like to think of that as uh, it reminds me of Jack D. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite yes. comedians. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not a happy chap, is he? Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of uh, brow action that he often has, um, which is cool. I think um, it's interesting what you're saying about the the straight lines. That's it's one of one of my obsessions as well is um, geometry in a in a composition, um, mm. and I think that's one of the things that appealed to me straight away with this. You've got those three obvious points: the, the plant pot, the uh, the lampshade, and the and the face, um, giving us a triangle there. And it's a nice juxtaposition: the expression on the face compared to the sort of serenity of a yeah. of a white lampshade you know that's just nicely lit um and just sitting there now we know it wasn't it wasn't cooperating but that's what you've that's what you've presented in the final final edit um i i also like the um the way that you've kept the colors really simple um so you know the the tie the flower and obviously the background um are really the only things that appear as colors in the shots um and then the suit being blue but it reads as being quite neutral and skin i think we generally don't experience skin as a color we just read it as as skin so um yeah pretty much through the whole shot the only thing going on is red which i think helps to enhance the mm-hmm. um the geometry of the shot um you know it could have been a lot uh, busier and more distracting if you'd had less color um uniformity through it i think so that's that's really helped to give it more impact and you also you also have this juxtaposition again there you know between this really slick the slick suit and then the kind of gritty texture on the background yeah. you know uh, that's that really works it works really well this i, I tell you what, there's a couple of things so first of all when um i remember we had a conversation and i remember when you told me that you'd you'd bought a, a red background i mean you thought really red like red <laughs> like what um and then when i when i saw this this shot i thought yeah man this works really well so um so that was uh that was really quite surprising so yeah i'm i can't wait to, to try out that background for sure yeah, yeah. it's not the color color background that would work for everything by any stretch um but yeah. it just felt it, it felt like the, the right thing for this this the, what i wanted to present 
and I'll tell you the other thing I really like about this is this is like little little details, but if you look at the um the light, um the like the light stand itself, you know, you've got these cubes, and then there's just that touch of light to the left of that, and it just brings out the shape of that light stand. Yeah, it's just a little bit, but it's I love the way it kind of drops off into uh into shadow. On the other side, on the right hand side, on the left, you just have that little bit of light, and it just gives it that shape, and you kind of get an impression of, uh, you know, of what that actually looks like. That's just, I love that the way the the light just kind of skims, really the front of the the plant pot and the front of that, um, that little table and stuff. It's yeah, like it. That's really uh, yeah. That was um, uh, well, you'll you'll see in the video that that's all that's all post, mm. all of that. Um, it needed to be with the way I'd, I'd lit myself. Mm. Um, so just to go and take a step back for a second, just to maybe elaborate just slightly more. It's the reason I went, I went with one light was because I, because of the look, you know, the look I wanted to, to get across was that, that real moody kind of style. Right. Mm. And I didn't want any of those objects there to distract from what was the primary intention of having real contrast in the face, you know, that kind of lit and um, very dark kind of show two signs, but two face almost to a certain extent. So it's a very, very hard lines there. But then as the edit started to progress, it didn't work for me like uh, as, as well as I wanted, wanted it to, it didn't mm. quite, I, I didn't execute it as well as I, I hoped I, I was going to, and I, I was, I was doing. And so just brightening those bits up, and it's only a, it's only about a stop on all of them, give or take. It's not a lot. Mm. Um, some of them, some bits are a lot, a lot more, as you can imagine, but generally around a stop. Um, and then lighting up my face, it just worked. It, it felt a bit more cohesive then, rather than a real dr so dramatic. Um, yeah. So so everything you're seeing there on the left that's lit up, it, it wasn't originally. It wasn't originally. Um, if I were to do this again, I would light those very individually um, and um, you know be a bit more controlled over that. I guess I'd say. And so I think there's always a danger there when you know when you've got multiple objects in the in the frame that sort of pop out because the the eyes are always drawn to the the brightest thing in the you know in the frame, and typically that would be the face. And here you've got at least two other objects, like the the light shade and then the um, the plant pot, that are also very bright. And so there's a danger there that that the eye kind of gets confused because you don't know where to look first, yeah. in a sense. Having said that, though, I actually really quite like the fact that there's a little something else happening um, to the left of that image. So I don't personally don't really see that as a problem, but I think that's yeah, always something to, to really watch out for. Absolutely, and I think part of that why they're they're brighter than they are is to almost insist that whoever's looking at this insists that they see um you know that juxtaposition that we've been talking about between you know the moody and then these like as, as i've described kind of these serene more serene type objects that they are looking at that too to say oh yeah that is um you know that is it's different you know it's uh it's a bit bit contrasty um, I, I think perhaps in hindsight, now I haven't seen this for a few days, um, I might bring, some, I, would, I, would, I would possibly bring some of that down on the left in exposure, just a touch, well, maybe not by a lot, but just a, just a smidge. 
Um, I think it. I think it depends. Uh, you know what what the what the intention is because when you talked earlier about this, you know, looking like it could be a yeah, thumbnail of a of a Netflix show or something, it does present the question of okay, what what's the story with this plant? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's like yeah. he's looking at me because he's pissed off with the plant. Or, you know, <laughs> or which, the light. <laughs> I, I think the plant is the star um, more than more than the lampshade. Um, also, there's there's a little bit of a similarity in the shape of the of the plant with the the crossed arm pose as well. Yeah. So there's a bit of an echo there compositionally, um, which which again helps tie it together. And because the plant is surrounded by the the shadow of being in the you know under the 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 box bit yeah. of the of the table it just pops that bit more um so it does it does if i watched this show i would be expecting to find out in the pilot episode like what's the story with this plant what, yeah. you know, what what's going on there yeah Which absolutely you would, you would serious you would assume some sort of significance of <laughs> of the plant in the light there's got to be something you know is it i don't know you know is the, is the show about the plant <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to make this up off the top of my head now, but this is it's going to be a plant like Leon, and what he was like with that plant. That's what it's going to be like. There right, we go. There, you go. Uh, there we go. I meant that all the time. Absolutely. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> it, it was a homage to Luke Besson. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. We got it. We got it. Exactly. Wrong, wrong color scheme. Wrong color scheme. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wanted to actually comment on that as well because I have a red canvas backdrop um, that I find, yeah, it's, it's really difficult to get red uh as a background color to work for you um and and when it does you then have to be very sparing like you, you couldn't have more than one shot with this in your portfolio i would say i mean yeah. you, you you could of course you could if you wanted to but it would become a thing that you're the guy with the red backgrounds you know um <laughs> it's very dominant so you, you do have to approach it with a lot of uh a lot of skill um, and I think here it, it, it works perfectly. So, um, yeah, hats off. Well, I'm going to keep my hat on, but hats off for <laughs> using a red canvas successfully because <laughs> yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, I was, I was like, I was really, I was really, uh, I was really surprised, you know, when, when I first saw that shot, I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that does, I, that does actually work. Mr. Lutz. With my self-portrait this this time around, like I said earlier, it was it's really based on um, a photo series uh, that I shot in in twenty nineteen, or that I started shooting in twenty nineteen. I was really going to continue that um, through twenty twenty, which then didn't work out for obvious reasons. Um, mainly because sitting a meter and a half opposite another person was deemed to be too dangerous during twenty twenty. So, you know, that was uh, that was just an issue. Um, but what this really is is, you know, it's um, it's sort of a look that I, that I sort of I don't know if I really created that look or whether you know there's just a whole bunch of different influences that, that come together. But it's essentially sort of almost like a comical, kind of almost cartoonish type of uh, type of portrait. Um, and the original intention was um, to to really get people to bring in their favorite objects, like objects that mean something to them. And then to basically talk to them and throughout the conversation to photograph them um, uh, handling this, this object. And so it'll be that, you know, it'll be that that would give you uh, sort of almost like a third dimension of, uh, of understanding 
of what that person would be all about. Because the objects that you choose in that situation do say a lot about you, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it could be an indication as to what you do, what the person in the photograph does for a job, for example, or what kind of interests they have, or just what's dear to them and, and so on and so forth. So the idea was really to create a triptych of, of images that show people with three different objects. And you would kind of learn a little bit about the person just by looking at the photographs and by looking at how they um, interact with that particular object. Um, and at the same time, it was supposed to be kind of funny and a little bit entertaining and, and all the rest of it. So that was the, that was the idea. Um, so, so the idea for this one was really mainly that I wanted to slice something in, in midair. And, uh, and that in itself, you know, presented itself with, with, with a number of different, um, different problems. Like one was depth of field, because I really needed to get the depth of field to the point where the tip of the knife was, you know, more or less approximately as sharp as, as my face. And uh, when, when the camera is literally like a meter and a half in front of you, and you're shooting at about 32 mil, um, I realized that I had to go a lot further than I thought I would. And I've certainly never shot a portrait at F18 before. That's, <laughs> you know, I can definitely say that. Um, and of course, the, you know, the amount of light you have to basically push into that, uh, you know, at that, uh, that F story is, is quite, uh, it's quite phenomenal. So it was, it was good fun. It's good fun working out how to, uh, how to create that look at such a, uh, different, um, at such a different F stop and, uh, you know, making that work. Because uh, typically I shoot these at about seven point two, roughly. That's that would be typically um, where where that's at. Um, and there's a number of different components. Of course, you get the, the back, you know, the the main plate, which is which is me with a knife, um, and then you've got the 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 lemon itself, which is obviously composited in, and then you've got the splashes as well, and they are they're composited in as well. So the the first thing really there was really to uh, to come up with the concept and then. Um, to create the look, um, and then, and then to get my little helpers to, uh, to put, you know, to put lemons onto, onto skewers and, and hold them in the right place and all that kind of jazz. And then, you know, and then we had like, it was fun. It's actually a family, it was kind of a family activity because we, we scooped out lots of lemons and we had like a whole bowl full of, full of slush and sludge. And then, uh, you know, it was, uh, my daughter kept throwing it up in the air and I kept shooting it. And so we kind of created these you know, these, uh, these splashes through that. Um, so it was, yeah, it was fun, but it is a composite. Obviously there's, you know, there's three different things that I've been, um, well, really, if you count the background, then it's four different things that have been composited and we can see it's really shot against, um, a plain black background. Um, and it's, it's a two light setup. So you get the key light, um, and then, um, and then the background vignette, that's, uh, that's another light and the, the texture is just a sort of a texture that I've shot. It's a mixture of different scratches and I think it was an icy window at one point or something. And I just basically uh, put that over the, over the black background. And that's essentially really it. I, I was going to say that there's just one, one light on you as a subject. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, so I normally, I normally shoot this with, uh, with a softbox. Um, but in this instance, um, I wanted to try out um, a beauty dish with a diffusion sock. Um, and so, because my, my studio space is relatively small and I figured if I can, if I can make this work with, uh, with the beauty dish that actually gives me a little bit more space in, you know, in the space itself. Um, and uh, that surprisingly worked out really well. 
So that's really something I'm going to keep um, for the future. If I if I carry on making these kind of portraits in the future, then um, that's sort of you know I'm going to change that. But um, but so yeah, it was a you know we spent a day making this this photo, and it was you know it was fun. And did you have any issues getting the um, so the 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 blade of the knife that's facing us um, is is nicely lit? Did did you was that by chance, by design, did you specifically have to bit, put a bit of white card there to yeah, get that? Exactly, that's exactly okay. what it is. Yeah. So basically, so initially, um, so what one of the one of the uh, problems that you have immediately because you're you're taking up quite a lot of uh, lateral space, um, and so the tip of the knife is relatively close to the lens of the camera. Uh, because you're literally reaching out, and you've got to really reach out like this, because otherwise it, it never really looks right. And um, and so you've got the length of your arm plus the length of the blade, and you need you want all of that to be in focus more or less. So then your depth of field at that distance from the lens all of a sudden becomes massive. So that's hence you know because I was trying I was trying f11 that really didn't work at all, and I'm thinking like wow how you know how far do we have to go? And f f18 kind of did it, um, and then. The the issue that you have then is is that you you obviously you get to compensate with your key lights. So you get to really crank the key light up, um, and it actually got to the point where I had my key light cranked up to the max, and I then had to push the ISO and the camera up just to give me another stop um, to to really kind of get that working. But the the problem that you immediately have then is that the underside of your arm, the underside of the blade, are not very well lit because the light really comes from the top, and so you're going to have to reflect some light back onto the underside of the hand and the arm and the blade. And that's really, uh, the, I found it looked the best with just some white poster board. Mm -hmm. And it was really quite, it was at a very slight angle, but it did the trick. And what was the, I mean, the lemon, was it just like, yeah, let, let's, let's slice a lemon or could it have been a banana, an orange? Is there some personal significance or uh, reason? Yeah, yeah, there is actually. I mean, it's, I, I am a sucker for citrus fruit. I love, I love citrus fruits. Um, I just, you know, um, it's probably the only type of fruit I eat, <laughs> you know? Um, and I really love oranges. Um, and so originally I actually did a few test shoots with, with an orange, but, uh, it was just, um, there's something in the yellow of the of the lemon that really contrasted better. Uh, although there were some issues with highlights that I had to fix in post as well, but um, but uh, but generally speaking, the the lemons really worked better uh, for this particular for this particular shoot. Um, you know, we just we literally just went out and bought a whole truckload of lemons, and you know, we'll because we'll, I knew we needed a lot for to make sludge, um, and so we just picked the one that looked the best. <laughs> You know, oh, in fact, my daughter picked it. Yeah, and, um, I, I mean, I'll have to confer with Nick here. I don't know if like having help from the family disqualifies, <laughs> but you know, okay, <laughs> it, it, it was supposed to be a self-portrait. But um, I mean, when I saw it, the, the first thing I, that came to my mind because of the situation that we're in and and all the rest of it, I was like, yeah. oh, is this like when life gives you lemons? Is it that? Is that where you were going? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's that that does yeah that does play play into it yeah i mean that's uh that's absolutely it um there's a there's a number of connotations is you know the, the fact that my mom always seems to think that you can cure anything with just you know lemon juice and honey or something like that <laughs> you know yeah uh, you know one of these um but but really ultimately it was just a fun you know it's a fun thing to do um it's 
I tell you what, the, the one thing that Nick mentioned earlier, and that was the issue with focusing uh, when you're taking a self-portrait, because ultimately, really, what I'm doing uh, is I'm, just, uh, I have like a little remote control and I, I remote control the shutter. And so the, the way this really works is my, my camera is set to a two-second delay. So I hit the shutter on the remote, throw the remote away, grab the knife, strike some pose, it takes, you know, it takes a photo. It comes through on my laptop where I can, I can get the feedback. And then it's all about uh, really just, you know, looking at the looking at the shot and thinking, okay, the blade, the tip of the blade needs to be a little bit further to the left or further to the right. And I gotta move my head this way. And you just build up to the final shot that way. Um and and I probably took about, I don't know, maybe 30, maybe 40 shots, you know, initially. And they're literally, you know, the first 10 or 12 are really just testing out where my arm has to be in relation to the lens um, or where my hat has to be. And then after that, it's just, you know, goofy facial expressions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, that's basically it. Um, I, I find that a real, real challenge. Um, I, I guess it's like a, a, a body awareness thing. I, when I try to replicate it, I can never get it even close to what I originally did. So it is really difficult to, okay, the same again, but a little bit further to the left. But when I've worked with, you know, dancers, for example, they have that, you know, you'd like do exactly that again, but um, a yeah. little less tension in your left big toe and, and they can do all of yeah. that. And I think that's where you are with, the, with that level of precision. Is that because you've practiced this kind of thing a lot? Do you have some kind of background in, I don't know, are you a juggler or a magician or something? <laughs> no, no, I think um, it's, uh, I've, I think throughout throughout this whole lockdown experience, I have you know I've done quite a lot of kind of selfies, um, mainly actually really out of sheer boredom, you know, um, and they've really always been, for the most part, I've been composites to 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 an extent. And the other thing that I like doing usually is I like building sets, I like creating sets, I like putting things into places and fiddling around with that. Um, and so I typically spend about, you know, I spend a couple of hours arranging things and then I spend about two minutes actually shooting because by the time I've, I've got everything where I want it to be, it's really just a matter of getting in, posing, and I know exactly how, I know in advance how I want the pose to be. Um, so this is really, you know, for me, this is just a compositional thing where I just try out different things and I know that, you know, I want to have the blade uh, pointing in a different direction from my head and, you know, all of these things come together. And it's really just a matter of trying that, you know, uh, getting the feedback, trying it again, you know, changing one thing. And the one thing I've always, um, the one thing I've learned from shooting headshots, actually, and also shooting models is that I get people to shoot and shooting bands, in fact, is I get people to shoot to change one thing, like one thing at a time. If you change your head position, don't change your arms. If you change your arm, don't change your head. Just change one thing at a time, and then we can just rattle through it. And it's it's a pretty quick, it's a pretty quick uh, process because otherwise you lose everything. You know, if you if somebody poses and you think, oh, God, it's almost there, but then if they change completely, you've lost all of that. So I'm trying to keep as many components of that pose as I can before I move into into the next idea. And that's that's really so so the again, the actual shooting part of that, once I had the lights dialed in and once I had, you know, everything where I wanted it to be, the shooting part itself is pretty quick. I don't really spend a lot of time at that point then uh then actually shooting. It's I've it, once I get to the point where I'm ready to shoot, I've got all of that kind of worked out, you know, more or less. Yeah. 
Um, and then it's just a, you know, and then for instance, uh, the, the position of the blade really matters because um, when I shoot composites, one of the things I always try and do is I try and shoot um, additional objects that's, that's, that's supposed to appear in the in the shot. I try wherever possible to shoot them in situ so that I shoot them in the actual place or close to the place where they're actually supposed to be in the frame. So I know or I work out where things are supposed to be before I get into the, into the shooting part of it. So, uh, you know, take the lemons as an example. I knew the lemons were supposed to be in that top left um, of the frame. I knew the way that the blade was going to come down and I knew how what the lemon would look like approximately. So when it came to actually shooting the lemon, I think uh, we didn't really do that many takes on that. We had both both lemon halves on uh, on skewers, and it was literally just like, okay, they're going to be approximately here. You know, mm-hmm. take a shot. Does it look good? Can I see enough of the inside of the lemon or not? And you know, you just um, adjust it a little bit. But it's, it's pretty it's pretty quick then. Yeah, um, I think the thing that took the longest to shoot were actually the splashes. Okay, was yeah, that because- difficulty of, of capturing them timing wise, or just getting a shape that was pleasing that you you wanted to use? What was the challenge? Um. Well. <sighs> It's it's really difficult to know how much force to use when you throw that up because you basically you throw it up. And so here's another thing um, that, that I always find when, when I shoot things similar to this is is that when something is suspended in midair, um, there's movement in it because it moves somewhere. So and something looks things look different on the way up from the way they look on the way down. And so you get to you get to sort of think about which direction things would be flying if this was a real shot, and then you got to make sure that you capture that as it describes that motion. If that makes sense. So if you if you hit the shutter button too late, then it may actually already be on the way down. If, you know, and so uh, and then of course that then since you know since we're using a spoon or, or hands to throw this stuff up in the air, you really have to kind of work on the timing and just go okay. You know, how long do I have to wait until I click, hit the shutter button from the time that I've thrown this thing up in the end? How how much force do I need? How high does this stuff have to fly? Um, and so that took it took a little little bit to kind of dial that in. But um, but then I, I think once again, once you've once you got a feel for that, um, then it's pretty quick. Good bit of physics. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> uh, and and a great deal of mess. Yeah. And, and presumably you did this as all part of the homeschooling for your kids, right? You you passed this off as an educational activity. Yes, actually. And you're, you're yeah, you're not wrong there because uh, my uh, my stepdaughter does, uh, she's she's doing A-level photography. Okay, perfect. And, and so she is, uh, that was, I sort of wrapped that, I, I wrapped it up as part of her, part of her coursework. <laughs> and, and will she be using uh, one of these images in a, in a course? <laughs> I don't know, but she can claim that she was a part of it because because uh, she was. You know. <laughs> she was she was actually the one throwing the uh, throwing the, the sludge up. So yeah, that's what yeah. it means to be a photographer's assistant. You got dirty hands covered in covered covered in food waste. Yeah, and having to clean up afterwards. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was inter- you know it's interesting for her because um, the kind of stuff that they do um, as part of the as part of the course is, is very different from the sort of stuff that I do at home. So I don't think they really. Um, I don't think that that type of photography is necessarily covered that much. So it's it's just from her perspective, it's um, I think it's it's interesting to just get a working perspective um, of that kind of thing. I mean, she's seen me do stuff all the time because my studio space is at home, and you know it's hard to miss. <laughs> so, 
So at this point, if you've been listening to the audio version of this podcast, uh, be reminded that there is more on YouTube. So if you go over to uh, youtube.com forward slash camera shake, um, you'll find a slightly extended version because in the next bit um, of this episode, um, Ivan, Nick, and myself will be talking about the ins and outs of editing our shots. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, head over to YouTube. Remember, youtube.com forward slash camera shake, um, hit up. Uh, episode 42, and you can get um, a first-hand um, experience of how we edit stuff like that. So that's it. That was Camera Shake Podcast episode 42 with Ivan Wees once again. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show again, um, Ivan. It was an absolute education. And, um, you know, I hope I hope things are, you know, uh, panning out over the next few months so that we can actually hook up in person because we're really not that far away from each other because you're just down the road really indeed that would be that'd be great um love to welcome you in the studio with or without lemons and, and knives <laughs> or <pot> oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah that'd be fantastic so without further ado uh, that's the we've come to the end of uh camera shake episode 42 um, of course if you are watching this on youtube don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the bell and all the whistles and all that kind of stuff and that'd be fantastic um alternatively um if you live in Israel, and you're watching this, uh, you're watching this podcast. Please get in touch because um, in the analytics of our show, we can always we can see where people are when they listen to the show, and we've noticed that we have some some listeners in Israel. It'd be super awesome to know who you are and what you do, and uh, and whether or not you enjoy the show. Well, I mean, why would you be listening if you didn't? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> duh. <laughs> so we see you again. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode forty three. Um, as always, have a good week. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye.